A report by Rob Shaw, a columnist at the Vancouver Sun about WorkSafe, had a lot of people shaking their heads going, how could that possibly be the case when it comes to the financials at WorkSafe BC? Well, Rob has an update on that story now and he joins me on the line. Rob Shaw, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Jill. Uh, Let's go back to the first story, because it was that number and the surplus, many billions of dollars being wiped out. Uh, How how was the reaction, or or walk us through kind of how that all came together? Yeah, it was a bit of a, the whole thing has been a bit of a surprise for me, because originally my goal was, um, the opposition liberals have sent a couple letters to Premier John Horgan, and they've said, look, um, why don't, uh, you as the provincial government use this big surplus that WorkSafe BC is sitting on. It's about $3 billion. Why don't you use it to help businesses uh, afford all the personal protective equipment that they have to buy out there, plexiglass, masks, gloves, sanitization equipment, um, to help with reopening them in, in the economic downturn here? So I asked that question to government, and the response I got back from Labour Minister Harry Baines was, well, we can't do that because actually the surplus is gone. Uh, it was lost in the uh, stock market collapse uh, to do with the pandemic. Uh, the money was invested by WorkSafe BC and, it, and we've lost it. It's almost all gone. And I, I said, okay, well, that, that seems like a, a lot of, of money to have lost. But it turns out WorkSafe BC is, basically has a giant accident fund that it uses um, to sort of manage its uh, claims and its liabilities. And it invests that through a, a branch of government. Uh, and in really good years, it makes a lot of money in return. Some years it, it makes more than a billion dollars in the returns on its investments, and that helps fund the organization with employer premiums. Uh, but it turns out that the labor minister was apparently operating on kind of a worst-case scenario because WorkSafe BC came out uh, yesterday and told me, yes, um, the downturn has hurt its finances. Yes, it is, a, is losing money on its investments. But um, the total elimination of its $3 billion surplus is only one possible scenario for this year. And in fact, uh, the most recent estimate it has is that it's on track uh, to lose a billion of the $3 billion surplus. So, you know, a third is bad as the Labour Minister had thought. And that's sort of where the situation seems to to stand now. Even that, though, and a lot of people were reacting to this story online, saying even to have the scenario where you could see $3 billion wiped out, I mean, a lot of people have seen their portfolios take a dip because of this pandemic, but not to that extent. Well, yeah, it's all, I mean, the surplus has been a very contentious issue uh, for a long time now between the Liberal government and the NDP opposition. And now it's the reverse. It's the NDP government and the Liberal opposition over what to do about it. And, you know, it it doesn't exist in the sense that it's not cash, uh, you know, sitting in a vault somewhere. It is um, the value of WorkSafe BC's fund on top of what it needs to set aside to pay for current, past and future claims. And it's an investment income that only exists if you sell your investments at a certain time. You can, uh, so the idea that it's lost is, you know, sort of a, a, the same way that your and my RSPs may have re- reduced value due to the investment declines. They're only lost if you sell them now. If you wait, they might come back. Um, but the, 
the implication here, the problem for the NDP government is they had plans to actually use that money this year. They had a sort of a um, an intention to bring in some legislation that would have changed the worker benefit system, improved some of the benefits, and used the surplus. And that plan now is kind of, you know, uh, on hold, possibly indefinitely, because it doesn't look like that full surplus amount is going to be there to actually cash it out when the government wants to do that. So, you know, it, it is like playing the market. The money's there. It's not there. It's coming back. It's down. It's up. But in, in this case, the government wanted to use it, and it's not there when, when they wanted to use it. So have you heard from the Labour Minister then what the plan B might be here? No, he sort of, <laughs> he got a bit of an earful when he uh, shared his worst case predictions that it's gone. Uh, and people were like, what? What happened to this? Um, so it, it doesn't, it's not clear. The NDP hadn't introduced the legislation yet anyways, but it sounded like one of the things they were going to want to do is start to, to change some of the way that, um, you know, benefits are handled going forward. So for some weird reason, the previous Liberal government set um, you know, the worker benefit uh, growth at the rate of inflation minus 1%, which is, I guess, a way that they, they decided to. They did a lot of things to work safe BC when they were in power, and not all of them, uh, I guess, some people consider to be fair. So that was one area where the NDP wanted to bring, you know, worker benefit growth up to the rate of inflation. It costs a lot of money. Can they still do that? It's not clear. They wanted to do something along the lines of um, if your benefits are being calculated, the statutory maximum salary is $80,000. So if you're making more than that uh, and you're injured on the job and your benefits are being calculated, you don't you don't get the extra amount of your salary because the, it's only calculated to $80,000. Stuff like that. I think the NDP had for many, many years viewed WorkSafe BC as being nickeled and dimed by the Liberal government as being uh, benefits were being curtailed so that the surplus could grow as kind of punishment on workers. And now the NDP in power wanted to kind of reverse that. And it's not there after 18 years for them to do it. So they're either going to have to put that on pause or come up with a less ambitious plan or hope, cross their fingers like a lot of us, that the investment money, the stock market's going to rebound uh, later this year, maybe, and poof, everything will be back to the way it was. But uh, until then, they they just don't have the money to do what they want to do. Well, we've been talking a lot about the economy reopening, a lot of councils looking at ways to make things easier and more accessible for businesses to still keep the restrictions in place because of COVID-19. So let's bring in Jock Finlayson, Vice President of the Business Council of BC. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Joe. Uh, last time we talked, uh, we were going through some possible scenarios as far as economic growth, uh, the opposite uh, happening as well. Uh, what are you looking at now, or what, where do we stand, do you think? Here we are, what, three months in, or looking at, at where things are? Yeah, well, we're well into the second quarter of 2020, and um, I would say the low point uh, for the economic slump has been reached. Um, uh, you know, sort of in the March-April period. April in particular was terrible in the first half of May. We're obviously now seeing more businesses reopen, um, so we should start to see, uh, I wouldn't say a normalization of economic activity, but a pickup from the very low levels that we were at uh, two or three weeks ago. 
and we're expecting some bounce back. I would describe it as a modest bounce back in employment as we go through uh, sort of the June, July, August period. So things are, I think, going to feel better. Um, but uh, we've suffered an enormous economic hit. Uh, we've had 400,000 jobs lost. We'll see more job losses when we get the data for May. It's going to take a long time for all those folks, I think, to be reemployed. Uh, so we're really going to be kind of climbing out of a deep hole, Jill, I think, for really the rest of 2020. But at least, you know, we will pass through the sort of worst phase of this uh, COVID-19 recession. What do you think needs to be done or could be done then to, to maybe get people back to work um, faster? I mean, still in a safe way, but to really uh, generate, really prompt that reopening of the economy. Yeah, well, I think governments, I think what, what the Oregon government is doing with the sort of phased uh, reopening plan is, is pretty sensible from what uh, what I've seen. I mean, some people would like it to happen faster, I guess, but uh, we don't want to get into a scenario where there's a big surge in uh, in infections again, because that'll really, uh, I think, shatter confidence on the part of consumers that, uh, that they can go back to sort of their normal lives. So I think governments are are doing the right thing with the phased reopening. Um, uh, it's up to employers and businesses to obviously put the precautions and safety protocols in place for their own employees and their customers. That's going to actually come with a cost. What governments can do is stop loading up costs on the shoulders of business. Uh, we've called for a across-the-board moratorium on all new government taxes, regulations, fees, and administrative requirements that would raise costs for business. Uh, we need municipalities to follow the same approach and work with employers to find ways to, you know, sort of bolster consumer confidence and get back to business as quickly as possible while still respecting the, uh, you know, the public health and safety imperatives. And when we look at the numbers that uh, your council has put out, uh, looking mm-hmm. at if we go to pre-pandemic, if we can think back to what that was like, uh, we were expecting a 3% growth in the world economy. Uh, now it's uh, going to be a decrease of at least 3%. How do the numbers in BC uh, compare to that? Well, I mean, we, the, the whole world has seen an extraordinary shift in expectations for growth in 2020 from just you know three months ago three, four months ago. Uh, So for BC, we thought uh, back in uh, early February, late January, we were thinking the BC economy would actually pick up a bit of momentum in 2020 after a pretty sluggish 2019. And we were predicting growth of a little over 2% in gross domestic product adjusted for inflation. Now we're thinking it's going to be a decline of 8 to 10% on an average annual basis. And that's simply because of the extremely deep hole unprecedented hole that we've that we've fallen into in the in, in the second quarter of 2020 as i say we'll we will be climbing out of it but it's going to take it's going to take quite a time so this this year when we get all the data for 2020 it'll be the worst year i think in the history uh, the worst economic year in, in bc's history in terms of the performance of the overall economy and more particularly the job market so it's it's been an incredible shock hopefully we can continue to sort of grow our way out of it, but it, it's not going to be fast, unfortunately. Uh, do you think BC is in a better position, though, even compared to some other provinces <clears throat> in that construction kept going here for the most part? I mean, some some companies did shut down, but but weren't ordered shut down. The construction projects kept going. A lot of businesses stayed open that were shut in other provinces. Are we in a better position? Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're reasonably well positioned compared to a lot of other provinces in American states. I, yes, we didn't shut down construction and manufacturing here, and that's good. 
because it means we kept more businesses going and more people employed. But I would caution that, um, you know, our economy is very service-oriented in British Columbia. Uh, things like personal services, retail, uh, obviously the whole tourism sector, hospitality, entertainment, recreation services. These are big industries, transportation, big industries in B.C. And so we've taken just as big a hit on the employment side, bigger in fact, than a number of other provinces. So while we didn't close down quite as many sectors as, say, Ontario and Quebec, uh, we haven't benefited very much in terms of the of the sort of carnage in the job market. So we're really all caught up in the same, more or less the same decline. Where B.C. has done well has actually been in the infection rates. So we, we've we've had a you know we've had more success in flattening the curve, bending the curve down, and we've we've only got you know a couple three hundred or so active cases of COVID nineteen at the moment, um, and about seventy five percent of the people who had the confirmed cases have now recovered. So we're doing better certainly than than Central Canada on the actual public health side, but on the economic side, I think we're all more or less in the same boat. And just looking ahead to the summer, uh, as you likely know, we saw the Destination BC website crashing yesterday with so many people trying to book campsites in the province. Do you think there is room there in that we're clearly not going to have the international tourism, the tourism from the States this summer? Is there room there for BC residents to at least fill some of the gaps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we will need uh, people to vacation at home, vacation within the province, take their summer holidays within BC in 2020. I, my family will be doing that um, because the international visitor numbers are going are, are, are gonna to virtually disappear to zero. And I'm concerned that other Canadians may not be inclined to travel sort of across the country either. So the domestic market's going to be critical to uh, trying to keep as many of our tourism businesses operational through the rest of 2020. And we can all do our part by by staycationing and, and, and looking for things that we can do as tourists uh, in B.C. this summer. So I hope everybody gets that message. All right. We will leave it there. Jock Finlayson, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Just a reminder, in this hour of the program, we are expecting an announcement from the NHL on some kind of return to play. It's expected to happen right at 1.30. We will bring that to you live as they start speaking. Right now, though, we want to take a look at something that happened last night at the Surrey Council meeting, the regular meeting of council. There was approval for the parking to patios and sidewalk queuing space initiatives. So let's bring in Councillor Jack Hundile. He's a Surrey City Councillor on the line with us now. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Joe. Uh, so what exactly was passed? So it was a um, uh, uh, basically a process now that will be established in the city of Surrey to help uh, those restaurants and businesses um, that are getting ready for their openings or in the process of already opening that keeps in line with the provincial government's uh, plan to push ahead now for this uh, phasing in of opening up of restaurants. So there, there's two pieces to that. There is the accessibility piece, um, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for the queuing of patrons going into businesses. So that's, you know, as, as we have lineups and social distancing, of course, and maintaining those safety protocols that are established, allowing for people to stand in a safe manner outside the businesses, um, waiting to go into the business to do their shopping um, or services, whatever it may be. And the other one was actually um, uh, a move to, to for parking uh, into the patio area, so primarily, uh, you know, to safeguard accessibility and uh, pedestrian safety and sort of a two-meter corridor clearance around that 
uh, as as restaurants have the option to build patio space out into into the parking lot and across the uh, into the boulevard area and there's some relief provided by the city in that which is a really good to see um, there's only going to be a nominal uh, a nominal amount that uh, people are going to have to pay i think it's about 200 dollars for the fee and that's really only to let people know that or to you know see uh, if people are if they're going to go through the process of doing this expedited process which the city's committed to to try to get done in three days that uh, that it gets done yeah so that's uh, that's essential. Was passed last night. Uh, you would ask, though, or you'd ask them to at least look at waiving the fees, which I think businesses were probably looking for. What was the response to that? Well, the, the response back is that look, we've already reduced uh, some of the associated fees with uh, you know um, going out into the into the parking spots and boulevards. Uh, we've reduced the time it takes, um, and the two hundred dollars, uh, as staff stated last night, was really just a, a nominal uh, amount to ensure that. Um, you know, people are serious about when they put the application. I did raise the point, though, of, of what um, Port Coquitlam was doing, actually, which I thought was really innovative as well, where they actually set aside uh, $50,000 to help those restaurants, uh, waive all the fees, but they actually helped, uh, they went a step further to help those businesses to actually establish these outdoor patios for the for the next few months, at least, uh, in this season. And, uh, and the response to that? Um, well, it uh, didn't garner a lot of support from my colleagues. A few of them uh, were in support of it, but generally uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't accepted, which is a little disappointing because I, I thought it was yeah, it's a great way to help uh, help our local businesses out is to waive the fees and actually even help them with the build out itself. Well, and I would think, I mean, restaurants and businesses in Surrey are in the same situation in other cities and municipalities. Even a $200 fee, it's great for staff to say that's a nominal fee, but it's still $200 from a business that has likely been closed and is really hurting right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I opened a restaurant in Surrey about three years ago, and it was a new build-out, and, um, you know, there's limited seating in the front, and there's parking in the front. So I, I know the challenges that uh, some of these businesses are going to be facing coming, you know, trying to prepare for this. Uh, you know, there's going to be that additional cost of even when you put out fencing and hedging around there. There's going to be costs that people don't really talk about. You're going to be in the kitchen side as well. Uh, you have to retool how you're preparing food in the kitchen with multiple staff as well. So there's going to be additional costs there. And the other probably really big one that people don't realize, I think, is going to be, you know, your labor force has probably changed from the time you close down to where it is today. So you may have those same servers and staffs and cooks and, and support people coming back and help you operate your business. So there's a lot of other challenges. And, and, I, and I tend to agree that $200 is really something that, you know, it really um, shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, an hindrance to people and, uh, you know, you know, I'd like for us to do what other cities are doing is actually help and support and, you know, pay for some of those uh, those expansions going on. Because uh, it'll only be for a few months here. We know the, clim- the climate here is a little bit different. It's not like in other areas where you'd have, um, you know, sunshine throughout uh, most of the year. you got, you know, seven, eight months of rain here. So it's a good short-term solution. Um, but what are we going to do into the fall as well? Uh, and for, for right now then, how quickly, I know you said that uh, there was talk of expediting it, but that's also been a concern as well, even in Vancouver, Council there is speaking about this today also, that uh, that this is the time to get rid of the red tape. And it can't be every day that these restaurants are unable to expand and get customers back is hurting their bottom line. Uh, how can you assure the restaurants and other businesses that it will in fact be expedited? 
Well, I know there's a commitment from staff, and they've been they've been pretty diligent in the past when they said commitment. We're going to try to reduce the wait times. So I do have faith in our staff and saying, look, you know, we're looking at about a three day turnaround time, provided all the information is there. And if you go onto the site, it's very clear. It's actually a pretty simple process and submission to put in there. The only dependency would be on the outside of those that are licensed through the provincial government for uh, for liquor sales. Uh, that's going to be on a separate process. But from understand from what I've read of that as well is that uh, it's it, it is an expedited process on on the provincial government side as well. Uh, you mentioned temporary as well, that uh, a lot of these measures are temporary. Are there things that you would like to see stay uh, post-pandemic, be it uh, liquor sales with takeout, uh, expediting and relaxing some of these rules? Absolutely. I think it's always an opportunity to, to look at you know, how can we do business better here. And as you know, use the biggest chance. The hardest thing is, is, is changing the consumer culture, but, you know, we've seen a lot of changes happen in a rapid amount of time. Uh, some good, uh, you know, some not so good. But I think if we have the ability to actually have the liquor takeout, uh, you know, in a controlled environment, uh, why not? Uh, you know, in other parts of the, of the country, uh, even other parts of the world, you know, they do have, um, you know, seasonal eating outside. They do have patios out there. They do have, um, you know, takeout service. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've seen that. And certainly those that are restaurants that are partaking in that and have been able to survive through the last two months, I mean, they're seeing the benefits of being able to do that as well. And really, it gets us ready for, you know, what could potentially be a second wave coming down the pipe. Uh, how are we going to manage at that point? And when we talk about that as well, do you see this taking off in parts of Surrey? Rather, in some parts, it'll be more applicable, easier for businesses to do this than other. Or do you see obstacles for parts of the city? I, I, I think the, the areas that have the newer build-outs where they have the proper provisioning on the boulevards, on the sidewalks, I think those areas will be able to accommodate it because it's, it's very clearly defined. And some of the older um, neighbourhoods in Surrey, it's going to be a bit of a challenge because it's a limited uh, boulevard space, it's a limited roadway uh, and sidewalk. So in some parts, I think it'll, it'll fare fairly, uh, fairly better than other ones. But once again, it's an opportunity to look at the site and say, look, you know, we need to retool this a little bit more. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe it goes in a different direction of where we are now. So I think, uh, I think there's going to be an opportunity here. And, and certainly, this is part of growing as a big city and, and getting, getting uh, on par with what other parts of the world uh, have been doing. Um, and I think it's a great first step. Mm. And it is seasonal, you're right. But uh, it seems like in Metro Vancouver, people do like to sit outside, even when it's cold yeah. out in January. Uh, do you think there yeah. could be the opportunity of making some of these changes permanent? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to go with my family and my uh, my wife's uh, not usually <laughs> the shawl or coat on, on top and then and into the into those colder times. But uh, I think absolutely the you know the opportunity is there. Uh, and we should use it. Look, it works well in, you know, even in parts of Whistler, they have, um, you know, patios outside even throughout throughout the winter. Mm-hmm. So there is a need for some people, I think, uh, for some consumers out there. But, um, you know, if, if we don't try it, we're never going to know. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. So can businesses start applying for this now or when does it actually absolutely. go live? No, okay. it's, uh, it's live now. They can apply right now. Uh, the only thing I'd caution is those that have uh, liquor applications is to get on to the provincial uh, site and also uh, do that application in tandem, um, you know, right away as well and, and get the provisioning down there. I know staff and, 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 uh, and the provincial government, there is some leeway there as people are getting this set up and established simply because it is new and it's different. Uh, but certainly if you have the ability to do it, please take advantage of it. All right, we'll leave it there. Jack Hundell, thank you so much.
Okay, thanks, Joe. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. If you were listening earlier on in the program at one thirty, we were listening to Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, and uh, via, I think he was on Skype, but he announced that the league is planning a 24-team return-to-play format, not going into huge details as to when the games could start training, all in a number of phases. And we also know there will be two hub cities, one for the East, one for the West, and Vancouver is on that short list. That's not being announced for uh, the foreseeable future, though. He's saying that 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 announcement is coming at a later date. Well, we had already booked our next guest before that announcement from Gary Bettman came. Trevor Linden, a former Vancouver Canuck, current partner with Club 16 Fitness, is joining us to talk about the reopening of fitness in this time of COVID-19. Trevor, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, Joe. Good to be with you. How are you doing? Good. How about you? I'm well. Thanks. (laughs) I, uh, I have to ask you, though, obviously we'll talk fitness and the reopening, yeah. but uh, people are curious, what's your take on this very strange time we're in and this uh, return to play that Gary Bettman announced earlier today? Yeah, well, I think we're all getting used to um, everything is different, regardless of what business you're in, industry you're in. Uh, you know, seeing the sporting world shut down uh, in March was certainly an eye-opener for everyone, and, and uh you know, I think we've all missed it. I mean, I, I'm an avid sports fan and, you know, we'll be watching NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, uh, Major League Baseball right now. We missed the Masters, the Final Four, all those fun things. But, you know, I think it's, um, it's you know, and moving forward, there's no there's no blueprint for it. There's no way this is unprecedented. So it's, it's challenging. And I think the NHL is trying to do the best they can in navigating some pretty uncertain times. Um, and as a former player, how do you think the players will feel about this? Because it is a contact sport. You're up very close to people, whether it's on the ice or in the the train in the in the rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. think players will respond? With with Gary Bettman did say several times this was only being done with safety top of mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've they've got to put their plan in place, and and obviously they're going to work through the process, and and safety is going to be priority, and and. Um, you know, I, I think it's it, you know, all sports are going through, working through the plan and how it could work. I, I, I don't think there's any easy answers, but I think players in general, uh, you know, they're used to putting themselves at risk. So um, certainly this is just another part of that. And if they can get their heads around how they can do it safely. And, and uh, I think testing is a key. I think, I think when we, you know, if we can get, uh, up to speed on testing. I think it'll make it, you know, in society, whether it be sports or business or, or fitness, uh, a whole lot easier to, uh, to operate. Uh, we've seen the numbers going the right way in BC. Would you like to see Vancouver be one of the hub cities? Um, you know, I, I don't think it really matters because it's just going to be a, a sport we watch on TV. So, I mean, you know, it's not going to be a spectator sport at that time. So, um, it doesn't, I don't know if it really makes a difference or not. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it, we'll see how it plays out. Do you think the players, sorry, we will get to fitness. I promise we will. But one more question, because you have that perspective of being a, a former player, what would it be like, or do you think the players will play differently because, without having fans in the stands? Oh, I think uh, the atmosphere in the building is critical to a player's mindset. I think they're they're used to, the buzz, the energy, whether you're home or away, you feel that energy. Uh, and let's face it, there's no more electricity in a building than during playoff style hockey. So 
it's going to be strange. I can't, I can't imagine playing a big playoff game with nobody in the building. It's, it's, it's odd. Um, so, but it appears that that's going to be our reality. All right. Odd is a good word for that, for sure. All right. All right let's talk a little fitness. As I mentioned, you're a partner in Club 16 uh, with Trevor Linden Fitness. Uh, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of talk of bringing fitness facilities, gyms uh, back online, getting people who have missed them. How do you do that safely, uh, given uh, what we know about this virus? Well, I think like anything, I think people are getting used to, uh, you know, going to the grocery store, uh, you know, uh, you know, doing normal things, going to the drugstore, interacting with people, you know, and I think that this is just another uh, example of that. And, and I think the, the you know, the, the underlying premise will be, you know, uh, distance, hygiene and protection. And we're going to make sure we've taken, we've been intensively educating our, our staff on the proper protocols and how we want to do it. Um, we were, you know, in, increasing our cleaning uh, uh, structure, you know, obviously, uh, we're going to do things differently. Obviously the club is going to be marked differently, one way traffic. And, and, and I think, I think overall though, I think people understand now, cause we've been living in this new world for some time now, they understand what you have to do to maintain, you know, proper distance and safety in, in public spaces. So, uh, I'm confident that, that I think, especially in BC here, we've done such a great job navigating through a difficult time we've got this thing pretty much boxed in and i think it's a credit to uh, the people of bc and i think you know as they start to branch out and do more things fitness is uh, just another thing that people are going to have to kind of figure out are, are your facilities open right now or what's the status there we're not uh we're we're opening june 1st uh, we've got 15 facilities across the lower mainland obviously we've got over 100,000 members um, we're super excited about, uh, uh, opening. I think, uh, you know, obviously people, uh, have missed, uh, you know, the opportunity to come to the gym and have those social experiences, not only the, the body, it's the mind, it's the, you know, having the connection with other people, albeit it'll be now at a, at a greater distance than it was before. But, um, yeah, so June 1st will open and, and we're excited about it. We've, been a lot of work just getting the facilities ready and marked and, and certainly ensuring that our staff and members are, are safe in this new environment. And what will look different, do you think, for people as far as I would imagine the number of people that can be in the facility yeah. at one time? I mean, it's already a, a business where you're wiping down machines when you're done uh, yeah. upping that. I mean, are people going to yeah. be working out in ma- with masks on? Yeah, it, 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 it's all of that. I think the same thing that we see at a grocery store, any lineup is, is, uh, is distanced and we're going to you know, have a reservation system that people can reserve their spot at the club, that they can come and, and, and you know, uh, limiting numbers, uh, 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 directional signage, uh, one-way traffic down aisleways. Uh, some of the equipment will be taken out of service every second treadmill, for example. Um, you know, some people may choose to wear masks in the club. Uh, all our staff will. Uh, increased wipe stations, cleaning stations, um, so all of that will be part of it. And, and um, you know, I think people, as they integrate in and get used to it, will uh, I think it'll be a great experience and, and we're excited about it. It's got to be a, a difficult one, though, because in a gym, there's just so much shared equipment. It is. I, I, think, that, I think the one thing, Joe, that's been a little bit encouraging is we're really finding out more and more about the virus is that they're saying that it's not as transferable on surfaces, which which is a good thing. Uh, you know, it's more airborne type thing, which is you still have to be concerned about that. But I think as people 
uh, you know, wipe down the equipment they're using, wipe it when they're finished. Uh, our staff will be uh, cleaning constantly. Uh, you know, so we're going to do everything we can uh, to keep people safe. And I think people um, in general are getting used to the environment we've been in and, and we'll handle this no differently and, and manage through uh, the situation. All right. Uh, so again, people, and I know uh, a few people have put on a few pounds during this pandemic, so we're likely <laughs> really looking forward to getting back to the gyms uh, when they open up on June 1st. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much. I have one more quick question, and I don't mean sure. to throw this at you. Ben Dooley is my producer. I haven't seen him in months because of the virus, yeah. and he's been working remotely. Yeah. He's the biggest hockey fan I've ever met, and through the messaging, I could just tell he was so excited when you agreed to come on the show today. Could you just give him a little shout-out, say, hey, Ben, it's me, Trevor? Hey, Ben, it's Trevor. I'm sure you're a huge, not only a huge Canucks fan, but probably a Trevor Lennon fan. So uh, just wanted to say hi and uh, hope COVID life is uh, is treating you okay. And we all look forward to getting back to uh, watching our favorite teams play again and uh, back to whatever our new normal is. We're not even sure. So 